to the Mind Your OT Business podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. Ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hello, friend, and welcome. I am so glad you're here today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I often think about how the target market for this podcast is a very busy entrepreneur running a business. And when you take time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast, I am honored. I'm just thankful. So thanks. And I hope this episode really, truly helps you because all of us have limiting beliefs about ourselves, about our businesses, about our lives, whatever it may be. Limiting beliefs are part of being human. And learning how to release limiting beliefs and move forward and follow our intuition is so important because just in embracing that role, you have to have a mindset shift to release limiting beliefs about yourself as a person who is able to really embrace that role of running a business and being a CEO. I want to read to you the definition of an entrepreneur from the dictionary online because it will explain this. A person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. So that right there, that right there shows that you have to be able to believe in yourself and in your abilities, and you have to be able to release limiting beliefs about yourself or about your potential as a business in order to move forward and follow your intuition as a business owner to scale and grow your business. My guest today is Landy Peak of Best Birth Healing, and she is here to teach us how to do just that. So let's dive in. Landy Peak, welcome to the Mind Your OT Business Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I want to invite you. Uh, the first question I always ask everyone is to just tell us about your business, how you started it, and up to the present day. Okay. So there's been a lot of shifting in my business. So I have Best Birth Healing, and I started as a pediatric therapist. And so my very mm-hmm. first kind of jump into entrepreneurship was with, as a peds therapist. And then after I had my own kids and had my own issues, I transitioned into a pelvic health therapist and did both for a while and then let the peds go and really started taking on women's health. And mm-hmm. now I'm shifting into more of that mindset coaching. So I still have my women's health practice and mindset coaching for, and I'm I kind of specifically love working with pelvic health professionals and birth workers. So still working around my love of moms. Okay. Helping the women that are supporting those moms. So yeah, that's kind of, Oh, that's cool. That's like a, that's like a cool progression of a business. I love that. I know you, I know you probably have more to say, sorry, but I, I love how that, even that short story about how your life kind of changed and how it changed what you wanted to do in your work and how it led you to where you are today, which is what you really, really want to be doing. It's just a really great story. Tell me a little bit more about how you came to this idea of working with the professionals, because I think that's something that a lot of people might be interested in who are listening because you started with kids and families, Mm -hmm. and then you moved to women that had pelvic health issues. And now you're moving to the people who are 
supporting the people with the the pelvic health issues or the Mm -hmm. people who are also supporting mothers working. Yeah. Supporting moms is the biggest thing is supporting moms. So it really was kind of intuitively use or intuition guided my business, I guess. So love of moms is I I hit into that pelvic health realm because I struggled with my own issues after my second baby. And so threw myself into learning how to heal myself. And once I kind of figured out that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really cool and such a needed area. Yeah. I really jumped into that, but I didn't love just the physical aspect because I'm an OT. And so I really put into um, the mental health aspect and supporting moms in a whole system way. And so that went into a lot of trauma was coming up. And so, you know, pelvic trauma, trauma, things like that. Yes. And so I kind of dived into more of that trauma component. And as I was doing that, the women that I really loved, that kind of lit me up, the ones that I really wanted to talk about were these professional women. And I just happened to start getting, and I think part of it universe, I'm very woo, yeah. was these PTs and OTs and clinical therapists coming in my door. And I'm like, these are the women I love to work with. Hmm. They're super smart. They push me to the edge of where I need to be because I have to think and I have to do more and I have to be more just to be able to, what I kind of felt like, keep up with them and be able to better serve them. And so it made me grow more as a therapist and I just loved it. And so then kind of looking at my business through intuition and really feeling what made me happy I'm like the clients that make me the super happy that really light me up are these professional women. And as I started looking at these professional women, who were my favorite clients? Who were the ones that were the most fun? Mm. They're all going around that birth, the birth worker. So the pelvic health, the mental health that we're working with moms, midwives, doulas, mm-hmm. all of that. And it's just like all of my favorite people yeah. were right around this central core of working around the, the, um, the new mom and the postpartum mom. Yeah, that's cool. Really came out of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real niche, but, but a big enough niche that there's probably a lot of need. I think there's a lot of need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things with women working with women is when we're working with women, there's a lot of issues that are coming up. So working with either childhood trauma or sexual trauma or birth trauma, as these professionals are working with their own clients, they were finding they were getting triggered and they weren't really figuring out where. And so they're coming to me for their own pelvic health issues. And all of a sudden it's coming out, Hey, can we talk about this client, this client, you know, triggered me in this. I really have this issue. This brought me back to this. And so I started Mm. piecing, kind of digging through with them on like, what is this? And finding out a lot of it was childhood beliefs and then taking it more into that business realm. A lot of those limiting beliefs that were planted in childhood are limiting them as a professional. Yes. Coming back to that. I'm not enough. And so it really kind of just melded through there of starting that conversation and then what do they need and where did we go from there just because of their Right. So are you, so you're working now more as a mindset coach, really, than are you calling what you do OT or are Um, you coaching? I, it's... I'm not sure. This is the age old question. You know, we always struggle with this. It's not, it's, I wasn't meaning it to put you on the spot or to be a trick question at all, but funny because before I got on, I was thinking, what do I call myself? 
And I call myself an OT. And so what it is, is I still do a lot of in-person practice with and on and telehealth, especially because of COVID with yeah. moms in the pelvic health realm, really with more of an emotional mindset piece to that. Okay. Health yeah. And using a lot of that feminine energy and tapping into your pelvic energy. Okay. And then shifting into that coach, it is more of a coaching when I'm working with professionals, more of a coaching line because we're talking more business related and what's coming up around your business and okay. what are the limiting beliefs around your business. So it's a fine line, yep. but I think there is a line that I'm more in that coach mindset. And I don't even know if coach feels right because yeah. it's not it like sounds... I'm telling you what to do with your business, right. I'm helping you tap into your own intuition to see what do you need to do? And so a lot yeah. of what I do with the, um, the professionals is questions is asking, mm. you know, what do you need and what are you feeling in your body? And we're kind of following lines of questions and it's just guided questions that yeah. really are helping them find their answers because they have it. And right. you, know, you know, what makes you happy. It's just having somebody ask you the right question to get you to that point of, Oh Yeah that's what I need. That's right. The light bulb moment where you realize, yeah, exactly. Yes. That's, and that's a real, real skill. I think to, to ask the right people don't ask good questions. Honestly, people nowadays don't really ask good questions, I think. And social media has made us so inattentive. And so, you know, (laughs) we don't have the attention span to sit and reflect and think and come to the good questions, but having that skill of asking the good questions to get people to come to their own answers is without giving them an answer that you think might be right is such a skill. I mean, it is something that takes time to build. And I'm, I, so I think the question in my mind right now is what has been, I want to get into the limiting belief stuff, but I also want to ask you before what for you has been helpful in building that skill. Have you just practiced it or have there been resources or supports or learning that you've done to help you know how to ask those good questions as a a coach, even though we don't really love that word. (laughs) Exactly. A mentor, a guide. I think guide kind of fits. Yeah, that is. Yep. You know, I think it's more of a, I'm a guide. It's a mix. It's a Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, schooling that I have done that kind of put in a lot of that mental health background. Yeah. And so that has helped. I think it is the way I grew up as a kid and my own Mm -hmm. little childhood things that helped me be kind of more aware and able to answer, ask some of those questions. And then I think part of it is just, intuition and, and mentors that have helped ask me those same questions. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, I get it. That's turned me. Then I can, you know, then in turn use that information to help someone else. So I think it's a mix and it, but I think some of it is just kind of natural intuition gift. You know, I kind of have, I can feel things in my body from other people's body. And so that helps Mm. me be a really good clinician because I'm like, okay, I can sense where there's tightness, where there's pain, what's yeah. going on. And then I can use that sense, that intuition in working with people. And I can do it, I found virtually and really didn't know until COVID that I could do that same connection virtually. And so it's yeah. a really neat transition. But I think some of it's just a weird gift and yeah. some of it's definitely learning. Yeah. it's It definitely sounds though like you've done some personal reflection and, and development to, to build the skill. Like 
it's one thing to have a gift and it's another thing to really tap into it and be open to it and use it, you know, yeah. than, than to just have natural inclination for it. You know, I'm, I'm interested because I think there's a lot, I've, I've heard about motivational interviewing, which probably is not mm-hmm. anything to do necessarily with what you do, but there are, I think, different ways that we can learn to empower others with our questions. And I know I've heard of motivational interviewing as one of those. I don't know much about it. I I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's- I have. Yes, I have. And I've done training in it. And so I'm sure there's pieces of it. Sure. Yeah. um, That I kind of take into my own, you know, own thing. And definitely there's gifts and then there's being able to use it. And I've done my, a lot of my own work. Yeah. Um, so I've, you know, done a lot of different healing work. I've done a lot of, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've done therapy. I've done this. Absolutely. Realm, I've done the energy work. I've done a lot of that work in myself because I really believe as healers, as therapists, we need to be working on ourselves as well. Absolutely. And we too often focus on those outside of us because we're going to save the world. Yep. But we really need to save ourselves first. And so I've done a lot of that work and a lot of, and I'll continue to do a lot of that work because each new level, each new step that I take brings up a whole new oh, yeah. bunch of things that it's just like, <laughs> where did this come from? I thought I'd fix this. Yes. And it's, yes. you know, so it's a continual price. It's a lifelong process to yep. you know, be doing your own work. So yeah. We'll always have mindset issues. We'll always have limiting beliefs, but but knowing how to deal with them and having strategies for how to deal with yes. them, it, it becomes easier, but then you're maybe just not as surprised by those. Exactly. <laughs> they come up, but, like, oh, yeah. I have to work on this now right. instead of having there it, it is again. derailment. Yeah. Yes, totally. So let's, let's get into some of this, this specific topic of limiting beliefs, because okay. I, I think this will be really helpful for people. So let's talk about some of the limiting beliefs that specifically OT entrepreneurs might experience when they're like starting or growing a business? Like, what do you think on that topic? I'm interested to hear. Yes. I think it really boils down to one big limiting belief Hmm. and it's, I'm not good enough. And we really see this in a lot of different facets. So I see it with entrepreneurs who, and I mean, OTs in general and therapists in general who are constantly seeking out the next certification to add to the end of their name. You know, they need the next class. And it's not that I'm learning to learn. It's this next class, that next certification, that next set of letters after my name is finally going to make me smart enough, going to make me skilled enough, going to make me enough. And so it's coming back down to that enough. And the therapists that have some really good feelings around I'm enough as a therapist, you then throw them into the business world. And they're, I'm not a good enough business person. I don't know the numbers enough. I'm not good enough in math. I don't know social media enough. And so we come back and it brings up the whole new set of, I'm not enough. Yeah. So a lot of what, you know, is coming up in the women that I'm working with is, and including in myself, is I'm not enough. And it can be things from physically, I'm not enough, my hair is wrong, you know, I look wrong, I sound wrong, um, to... Mm -hmm. I'm not smart enough, that whole gamut of things that come up. I think a lot of that imposter syndrome really yeah. is the underlying belief of I'm not enough in whatever is that imposter syndrome is coming up in. Yeah. So let's not to be a fraud. Yeah. 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 So let's talk a minute about imposter syndrome because I, I never want to assume, I know it's very, it's a very popular topic right now, uh-huh. but, but I never want to assume that people know what it is. So right. let's let, can you kind of define 
I'm familiar with it, but I, and I have some thoughts on it too, that might be a little controversial, but tell me, let's define for the people listening, what imposter syndrome is in a nutshell. So when I'm thinking about imposter syndrome, I'm thinking about that belief that someone is going to find out that you're not the expert, that you're not the enoughest person to be doing what you are. So coming on a podcast, I don't have enough business experience. I don't have enough clinical experience. I don't have enough education, whatever it is, is coming up to be a guest on a podcast. You know, it's, it's all of that. They're going to find out that I'm not enough. I'm pretending who I am. I'm not really who I am. Kind of. Yeah. I'm an imposter essentially. Like they're going to, and there's a really famous, I I shared in my group coaching program. It's in one of the presentations and I'm going to butcher it, but Maya Angelou, there's a quote that she said about, you know, every book that I write, I feel like that's it. The game is up. They're going to find out that I'm not really that good, you know, or whatever. And she's like amazing, you know? Right. And, and it's this idea that, that we're just, we're just faking it sort of Mm -hmm. this feeling of like, I'm faking it. And somehow everyone thinks I'm not, and I'm going to be found out as an imposter. Exactly. But, But here's my, here's my controversial belief about it is that, I mean, I don't know that it's controversial, but I think there's a lot of talk about imposter syndrome and like getting over imposter syndrome and that you are good enough and all of that. And I, I think that, except that I also believe that maybe there are some situations where you really aren't an expert in that and you need to get the training you need to then feel that you're not the imposter. Okay. So there's a difference that wouldn't really be imposter syndrome, I guess, is what I want to clarify. Maybe it's not controversial, but I want to clarify that if you are faking it and you really don't have the experience (laughs) or the knowledge, then that's not imposter syndrome. That's just, you need the training and you need the experience to be able to move forward. But maybe those two things kind of exist all mixed up in our minds too. You know, sometimes maybe we're learning. I, I think about starting a business. Right. You you might feel like, well, I don't have enough experience to start a business. Well, then you need to actually have the ability cognitively and emotionally to like actually assess, do I need more experience but like clinically before right. I start my business? You you might if you're going to start a business in a very specific niche or something, right? Right. I would never go out and say that I'm a pelvic health OT. That is, I am not qualified (laughs) to do that. So I just kind of wanted to kind of throw that in there because I think a lot of times we don't talk about how with imposter syndrome, it really is related to a feeling of not being good enough or not having the expertise but then there are situations in which you might not have the expertise. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And it's knowing the difference. And I think it's coming down to the imposter syndrome is coming from the limiting beliefs, the things that are believing about ourselves that aren't true. Yes. Perfect. Versus the actual, I don't have the skills knowledge yet. Yes. If, If you actually do have those skills knowledge, you have it on paper, you know, you're a good clinician. And you still stand up to give that presentation or that podcast interview or whatever it is. And you have all of that fear coming, rushing at you going, oh my gosh, ah, you know, that is the imposter syndrome. If you're like, I don't know this, then that's the difference. But yeah, so I think the imposter syndrome ties down to those limiting beliefs that aren't true, but it's something that you're holding on to. Yeah. I, I like how you've simplified it too, down to that. The core issue is. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough because I, I think that kind of, that's kind of the root of so much. It is right. Like, are there any other limiting beliefs that like people would have that wouldn't 
come down to that core belief? There are some like, like very specific things that are around things that people heard as kids that okay. kind of go into that. But most of the general limiting beliefs really do tie back down to the I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that can be in so many different facets. You know, I had one and it still kind of ties down to the I'm not good enough, but one recently that I worked with a woman and it was her value is on how she portrays herself to the world. And so it really was her self-value. And so it's kind of in that I'm not good enough, but it was a little shifted into her self-value was really how she portrayed herself to the world, how she looked in the world, how she acted in the world. Mm. That was very, she had, and at the end of our session, the last session we did together, she really got to the point. She's like, I don't know who I am. And That's it's interesting. really just putting everything out and how she had developed. And that was a lot of family rearing and a lot of activities yeah. that she was in really was her whole value came from external and she didn't have a lot of internal value. And so yeah. I think that's a little shifted from the, I'm not enough, but you know, it still kind of ties back into there, but a lot of them comes back to the, I'm not enough. Yeah. That's a, that's a good example of, of a different way. I was thinking too, I was trying to think of like, I think sometimes people have, especially OTs, they're unaware of their fear of being successful. Yeah. It, it's almost like, a, it's almost like I don't deserve, maybe that does go to, I'm not enough, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but like, I don't deserve to be wealthy. I don't deserve to be paid what I'm mm-hmm. worth. I don't deserve, but, but we're not we're not articulating that necessarily, but it's kind of this like hidden thought in our mind that influences how we go about running our businesses where we're not going to charge enough because I guess that does go back to your, you're not enough. So Uh proving your point here, Landy, (laughs) that um, everything goes back. It goes back. (laughs) And as I've worked with women and I really looked at kind of this theme and it really is the, you know, I'm not enough. And a lot of those kind of hidden beliefs come from childhood. Like I can't charge this much and it can be, you know, from things that we've heard and not explicitly said, but heard about money as a child. And, you know, there's a lot of beliefs that are kind of planted that aren't even purposefully planted. It's just things that we've heard as a kid, feelings that we've gotten as a kid around money or Mm -hmm. around the belief of charging for your services. You know, for me as a kid, I was told, you know, the, you give your gifts. And so if I am now trying to charge for my gifts, this is a really big thing. How can I even that out to make that okay? And so it's starting to be aware of the things that come up. It's so embedded as part of our identity. I'm I'm thinking of the specific topic of money and how you Mm -hmm. approach money. And I'm super frugal and it drives my, my sister nuts because she's like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm never going to think twice about ordering a Coke at a restaurant. And you would be like, that's like two more dollars that you could save, you know, like, Right. I'm like, actually, I'm not quite that bad, but okay. Like, yes. so it's it's just funny, like our perceptions of money and who knows, cause her and I have, we're raised in the same family. We have totally different ways of dealing with money, but the, the money piece in particular is so it's, it's like culturally ingrained in us, our families ingrain our perceptions of money and breaking free of those ideas is very challenging. I mean, it, it really takes awareness and thought and processing it and reflecting and coming back to it. And yeah, so it does. And then the next level, so, you know, you hit this income level and then you push your business to a little bit higher and you hit the Mm -hmm. next income, and all of this money stuff is going to come right back at you. 
Yes. So then you just have to work through that to be able to break through. So it is an ongoing process, but yes, some of it is so deeply ingrained. Yeah. And there's a lot of work to do around it. Yeah. There's also, so this is another, this might be a rabbit hole that I'm bringing up here, but I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So I think a lot of times too, as adults, we have those childhood events or, or things that have happened in our lives or the culture we were raised in our family culture. And then also as adults, we might have a life partner that does not agree with us about those same, we might not have the same mindset about money or about even, even about success, you know, of your business, or Mm -hmm. there's just an entrepreneurial mindset. I joke to my husband, like, you're not thinking like an entrepreneurial, but let me tell you how I think about this. (laughs) He's like rolling his eyes at me, but basically I, I, I think it complicates mindset issues too, and limiting beliefs when we're partnering ourselves up with someone and maybe raising a family with them who also has their own limiting beliefs. It just gets very complex. It does. It gets very complex. And then it becomes really kind of picking apart what's his and what's mine. And I do a lot of work with women on what is theirs and what they're holding on for someone else. And we do end up holding on a lot of things for other people. So it's weeding out. Is that mine? Oh no, that's his. Can we give it back to him? Yeah, that feels okay. Let's give that back to him. You don't need to carry that in your backpack. And sometimes it's not okay to give whatever those beliefs are or those events are back to that original person. And so I do a lot of visualizations with people that we put it in boxes and if it feels right, we let it go on the wind or we blow it up or whatever to get that limiting belief out if it's not yours. And so there becomes a lot of awareness around and a lot of really kind of fine tuning your in tuning into yourself. You know, is this mine? Is this somebody else's? Because we carry a lot of other people's things. Yes. Well, you, okay. So I want you, this was not a rabbit hole. This is really good. Can you give a specific example? Of course, not sharing any client info. Right. Of course, you know that, but like, I didn't want you to think I was asking <laughs> you to reveal a client's personal stuff, but, but an example of like what you just brought up where you might be holding on to something that is your partner's and not necessarily yours, but where you, you said you made a comment where you can't give it back to them. Like mm-hmm. what, what would an example of that be? Could you give like an example? Cause I, I think I was like, well, what would that, what does that mean? Like, what would, what would be something you wouldn't be able to give back to the person that it kind of quote unquote belongs to? Right. Let me think of an example with a partner. One that comes really up is, and I'll think as, as I'm talking, I'll think about the partner, Sure. Um, but comes up around your parents. And so I had one client who really struggled with being a working mom. And so what came up as we're kind of diving into that is that her mom felt guilty and shamed for being a working mom. Hmm. And so she's like, I, you know, so we're diving through and it's like what she's holding on to was her mom's own beliefs about being a working mom and her mom had to be a working mom. And so she felt a lot of guilt around that. She felt a lot of um, strain. She felt that she was judged around having to be a working mom because she was a single mom. And so like she really had to, but there was a lot. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice. She had to do it. Yeah. But my client's mom had so much emotion tied up around that. And so my client who has the choice. She has a stable relationship. The the husband actually contributes a a, a substantial amount. So she is able to be an entrepreneur. She doesn't have that pressure. 
she can flex her schedule. So there's a lot of differences, but when we looked at all of that emotion that was coming up for her around being a working mom, we figured out it was her mom's, it was her mom's own guilt and Mm. it was her mom's own stuff that she was holding on to. And so when I asked her, is it okay to give it back to your mom? She's like, no, I have to protect my mom from that. And that's interesting is we put it in a box and then we literally blew it up because that's what felt the best to her is we've got to destroy those emotions. Okay. Versus some people are like, I'm just going to let it go on the breeze. Some people pack it up and do it's amazing what people's minds do to help separate that out. Like a ritual or a visualization. It's a visualization. Yes. Like to 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 release it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So it's a uh, pretty quick, you know, it's just like, I want you to gather the box or I want you to create a box or whatever comes up best for them. I've had baskets right. and things like that. And I want you to put anything in there that's kind of revolves around this, anything that's no longer serving you, anything yeah. that you need to put in around your mom, putting it in there. And then what do we need to do with this? And, you know, and I give some suggestions. Do we Mm -hmm. let it go? Do we, you know, bury it? Do we let it go on a river? You know, what kind of things are coming up? And each person chooses kind of what feels best for them. So that's an example that's kind of going with not being able to give it back. One that came up as I was talking around the partner issue is the partner had a lot of, had gone bankrupt, had had a lot of shame Mm -hmm. around money. and. Responsible with money. And so now when we're coming up and she's struggling in her business to kind of balance finances and balance home needs, what we were finding is she was so afraid because her husband was so afraid of taking right now because he had gotten burned. And so she was not going to take these risks. And so then when we're looking at all of this, the fear around risk-taking with money, and it's not anything that she was super risky about. It's just kind of stepping in. Right. Yeah. It was her husband's fear around money that she was really being protective of. And so it's like, that's not something that she could give back. She had to really honor his fear. But yeah. what can we do with the fear? We can get rid of it for her. So she doesn't yeah. have to carry his fear. And then talk about some kind of energetic boundaries for herself around that fear. So she wasn't so clouded with it and knowing that, that yeah. was and that's okay. And we can still accept that that's how he feels, but we right. can put some boundaries to protect your energy. Yeah. Okay. So if you, and if you could give something back to someone, mm-hmm. would it involve a conversation with that person about? A lot of times it's just, here you go. And I don't it's go like a lot a, into It's the, the same. It's a visualization it's, it's a, of like it's, letting it's, it be on that person. I don't even bring me. it up with the actual person. So it's not like I'm coaching somebody to go talk to their mom and give back whatever childhood sure, stuff yeah, yeah. that they got. No, right. it's just like, oh, that's my mom's. Okay. Can she take it? Yep. Go ahead and just give it back to her. And just visually, okay. you know, with the visualization, handing it back to her. It's like, okay, yeah. here's your stuff. And sometimes we have a whole box of stuff that's like, here's your stuff. And yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah. okay, I feel lighter. So it's just right. a lot of the the energetic and the visuals of clearing out your own system and figuring out mm. what's yours and what's somebody else's. And then once right. we kind of weed through that and we can kind of take care of what other people's stuff is, then we can really focus on what your own beliefs are that are coming up. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds like it's kind of what the next thing I kind of wanted to dive into is some of the strategies for like releasing limiting beliefs, which we're starting to kind of talk about that just because of my curious questions. (laughs) But you've talked too about trusting intuition. You kind of talked Mm -hmm. about how that helped you 
I don't want to say pivot, but kind of trans- shift, kind of shift yeah. your business. Yeah. Shift your yeah. business to what you really, really wanted to be doing. Do you feel like releasing limiting beliefs and trusting intuition are one and the same? Do they go hand in hand? Does one need to be done before the other? Kind of how are they related? Okay. Great question. Sorry, um, that wasn't on our list. It's just a question yeah, that I have great. in my brain. <laughs> this is great. Um, I totally go with the flow. There are two different things. And so your limiting beliefs are what I believe is things that are planted throughout your life that you're then mm-hmm. clinging onto. A lot of times it's yeah. happening in childhood and they're things that are not intentionally planted for the most part, but they're things that we start melding and kind of adding to who we are. And yeah. so we start taking on, and it can be things, you know, from struggling with a test and you think, oh my gosh, I'm not smart to right. things like, you know, someone always said that you were slow because you took your time to do your work. So now you have that in your slow mm-hmm. or all of these things are lit- limiting beliefs. So intuition is feeling into your own body and your own inner knowledge hmm. to be able to guide you. And so releasing limiting beliefs can be done lifelong and you're in, tapping into your intuition can be done lifelong. So it doesn't have to be one or the other, and it doesn't have to be right. done at the same time. It can be done kind of in conjunction or separately, but yeah. both are important. Seems like, it seems like releasing limiting beliefs or being aware of them and kind of owning them, mm-hmm. reflecting on them, processing them. Yes overcoming some of them maybe uh-huh. is, is kind of going to help us trust our intuition more because if we're, if we feel more confident, I'm all about confident entrepreneurs. Like yes. if, if we, if we let go of those limiting beliefs and which would hopefully result in us feeling more confident, then we're going to be more likely to trust our own intuition than to, to doubt ourselves and try to follow other people's intuition, which is not our own. Right. Absolutely. Sort of accurate. Yes, releasing it will definitely give you more confidence. But I think it's practicing really tapping into what you're feeling. And so when I'm working with clients, I'm having them feel in their body the different changes. And so, um, for example, I've had women that we've worked on pricing with just using their intuition. And so I had one client and she, the price that she came in with was actually half of what the price we came up with when she left. Mm-hmm. And so it's not in me saying this is the price that you need. It's what feels good in your body. So I want you to hold that price in your body. And how does that feel? Do you have a pit in your stomach? Do you feel tension anywhere? Do you feel a heaviness? That's great. And then we start working with, well, what about this price? How does this price feel in your body? And then how does this price feel in your body? Mm-hmm. And then we got to literally double the amount she was charging. And she's like, this one feels really light and easy. I'm like, okay. That's this it. Is what we're doing. <laughs> and she's like, I can't charge that coming in the, you know, like yeah. I, I, I'm not enough limiting beliefs coming yep. back. We'll just sit with it, hold it in your body, see what happens. And so she actually texted me and she had approached a physician's office and wanted to work with them. And so she was, you know, talking with the head physician and he had turned her and said, and what do you charge by hour? And she said, and I just spewed off that amount. And he said, okay, great. And kept going. And she's like, he just, he just took it without question. Yeah. yeah because it was aligned with you. Yes. You said it and it felt good. And yeah. so you had no question in you. So he had no question either. Right. And that's a lot of how it's, I teach women to really tap into their body and how does it feel? So you're making each decision around 
how it feels in your body. Does this feel light? Does this feel heavy? When we're looking at how many days a week you want to work, right. which feels lightest, which feels the heaviest, how many hours. And then we're really creating a business that feels good. And each, yes. each decision really feels good. And once you feel good, it becomes a lot easier to be in your business. I find yeah. that we're having, I'm seeing a lot less burnout with women and a lot less mm -hmm. mom guilt because we're tapping into what we need to balance. And it's just yeah. like, okay, I need this. This feels good. And we're not stressing and pushing that boundary. I, I love the concept of the light versus heavy. That was like a huge, I wish I could remember her name in this moment. I think I don't want to say, cause I'm not sure I, her first name is Jess, but I don't know her last name. Anyway, I was in a group coaching program and we were on a call and it was right after COVID hit. Okay. And I kind of was like, I need to throw this question out to the group. Cause it was like a hot seat, you know, where you get mm -hmm. to say what your problem is and then people can weigh in. And I don't even really remember my question exactly. Like it, I think it was about like, how is my business pivoting with COVID Right, because we're moving into the online space, but I, we could do a variety of different things in the online space. And mm -hmm. the comment that she made was, I, I like to use this idea of like light versus heavy. If it, it sounds like when you talk about X, which I don't even remember exactly, I would share it right. if I remembered, but I don't, it sounds like when you talk about this one, you, your, your voice is lighter and you sound more excited. And when you talk about the other one, it sounds a little more like, wah, wah, you know, like, yes, yes. like just, just, I just didn't want to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there's something I have a little, I have a little intuition going on about, I mapped out, I'm looking at it right now. Well, people on the podcast can't see me, but in a recent like strategic planning day that I did, I mapped out like my revenue goals for 2021. And I've had it on this whiteboard next to me for like two or three weeks now. And every time I look at it, I feel super stressed out. Now, maybe okay. it's that like the whole year is in front of me. Mm -hmm. I I'm looking at it one day and thinking I have to do that all, but thinking about intuition. And like, as I listen to you talk, I'm like, Oh, it is so right. I got to cancel some of this stuff on my list nice. for next year because, because our intuition, when, when you know yourself and when you do this mindset work, you start to have this gut feeling Absolutely. And you kind of know. So I got to take a few launches off of next year. So um, right? yeah, and it really <laughs> just is. too much, you know? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it is, and a lot of what I do with women is teaching them how to trust their intuition. So yeah. it's a lot of the talk of what does that feel like in your body? Okay. okay. What does that feel that's like? Good. What does that feel like? Ooh, that one feels better. Okay. So that's what a good feeling. And so it is guiding in figuring out how to tap into the intuition and really what it feels like and where it sits in your body. And I do a lot of visualizations of where, so where does that sit in your body? Does it have a color? Does it have a shape? Does it have, so we get some visuals around it. Yeah. And then I do a lot of, um, especially for working on a specific issue. I'm like, where does that emotional thing sit in your body? And then we tap back into it. So has it changed? And then we see kind of more okay. of a, um, a progress. So it's changed color. It's you know gotten smaller. It's now a sunny yellow. It's you know things like that mm -hmm. that we're shifting, and they can in their mind's eye see that shift and really feel it too. So there's a lot of guidance in right. tapping into that visual as well as that you know actual feeling. Yeah, as a somatic to feel what's going on in your body. 
I, this is so, it's so interesting because I, I joke, like you're, I feel embarrassed to say, because you're like, I love woo. And I'm like, I'm not a woo woo person at all, but I'm only sharing this with you because I have so loved this conversation. And I actually think that it's very boring on podcasts when people are like, oh, I agree. Yes, I agree too. Oh, this is so, I agree too. We all agree. I, I share that because I think I want to if anyone has stayed tuned in this far who does not consider themselves a woo-woo person, I feel like it's helpful to say that much of this is so helpful, even if it sounds a little woo-woo to you, you know, (laughs) like it's, it's helpful. I, I think of, you know, how you shared these kind of visualizations and just that it's the way our mind latches on to an image more than words. Right. And there's, I've done some in my faith community, I've done some listening prayer. And part of that, it's kind of a meditative practice where you listen more than you're like talking. And there's, there's a part of it where you actually are cued in the process that you go through to think about images. What images are coming to mind right now as you think about this thing you're, you're meditating on. And it just, so as we've been talking, I'm like, gosh, this stuff is so ingrained in our minds. Like there's something very primal about a visualization to help you remember something and to help you let go of emotion or process emotions. So I'm loving this conversation, even though I'm not a woo-woo person, Landy. So (laughs) I'm so thankful for all of this. And one of the things I I talk to people about is if you're not into the woo is high level athletes visualize all the time. Yes. That's a great point. They can visualize to get where they want their goals are, you know, to reach their goals, then we can visualize to meet our goals. And so if it doesn't feel good to think about the woo, think about it in the visualization capacity and how that can train your brain and start coaching and molding your brain to think about that next level. And so, yes, we can take it out of the woo. I love Mm -hmm. the woo, but we can take it out and think more into that space. And so I do that with clients that are just not finding it in the woo. Okay. Let's take it out and think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's so important though, to be open-minded. You know, I think that's what I'm, I'm gaining from this because Trish Williams and I, who did the OT entrepreneur summit together last, last year, we're doing it again this spring, but she was like, I'm all about the woo when she was in the, when she was at our first podcast interview Mm -hmm. that I did with her. And and I was like, yeah, I'm not really a woo person, but okay. I love you. (laughs) We we like totally get along. So in a different world. Right, right, right. Totally. So I've so benefited from this conversation. I love it. So let's talk about, so I think we've, we've talked about some of those ways to really release limiting beliefs. Are there others that you want to touch on or also are there ways to trust our intuition more? Yes, I'll go into both. Two um, so in one, but. one with releasing the limiting beliefs is I think really identifying them. And yeah. so, and, and being curious about them. So what I do, if you have something that's big coming up for you and you're just not quite sure what it is, it's being curious. Okay. So what is that feeling? Is it fear? Is it sadness? Is it anger? What is behind that feeling? Mm-hmm. Being able to label it. Oh, I'm feeling a lot of fear about, you know, whatever it is. And then yeah. being able to just say, I acknowledge that that's how I'm feeling. And I love and accept myself anyway. And that kind yeah. of deactivates a lot of the power it has. It's like, okay, I see you fear. I know you're there. I accept that you're there. Right. To try to change you right now, except that you're there, but I'm still okay. And yeah. so a lot of that can really help with the limiting beliefs. If you're not going to dive down deep, 
is really just like, I'm accepting this. Mm-hmm. And feeling with your intuition is really starting small with little things. And so oh, it's, it's good. taking little decisions that really don't have a lot of potency because you don't have a lot of stress around them. And right. you know, what is, how does this one feel in my body? You know, even if it's like, should I have coffee or tea in the morning? Well, how does tea mm. make me feel? Ooh, tea makes me feel kind of warm and bubbly. Coffee. Oh, coffee makes me feel like I'm going to zing. So yeah. like coffee is going to be the one. So little decisions that you can start with to get confidence and get that feel. And so mm. it's really just being curious and sort of touching in. And then once you start to be really confident, then you can take in bigger and bigger decisions. And to the point, like my family now trusts my woo intuition. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My husband, and when it, we first started together, it wasn't the case, but my husband, well, now when I say there's something wrong with the car, he'll just take it in and make an appointment where at first he was like, no, there's nothing wrong with the car. I drove it. And then we take it in and there's something wrong with the car. Yeah. Oh, that's um, interesting. So it's things like that, that I can get that intuitive hit of there's something wrong here. And so if I say there's something wrong with anything, he's like, okay, he's let's like, just make an appointment. I'll pay attention. <laughs> most of the time, almost 99%, maybe hundred percent right on that intuition, just because that's how I really lead my life is feeling mm-hmm. into that intuition. And so the decisions that I'm making feel good. I'm right. leaning into that. And the things that aren't making me feel good, I'm I'm really curious about what's coming up. Is it a limiting belief that I'm not good enough coming out there? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that my intuition is telling me this is just not a good thing? And right. so really feeling into that. It sounds like, and this was a question I had, and you might've just answered it. It, it sounds like trusting your intuition in different areas of your life may lead to overflow of trusting your intuition in other areas. It's not necessarily, because I'm thinking specifically about the example of mothering and Mm -hmm. working on slash entrepreneurship. Like this is something that's come up for me my whole life. And I wonder if trusting your intuition, maybe starting to trust your intuition more as a business owner might actually affect you trusting your intuition more as a parent or vice versa, you know? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. When you can start tapping into yourself, you start making a lot of decisions through that intuition. And I think it makes things easier. And when I've made a decision with my intuition, they're not decisions that I regret. I might Mm. learn from something. It might not work out exactly how I thought, but it was always a good experience that I can take something from. And so I do a lot of parenting from my intuition and, you know, tapping in and doing a lot of emotional support support around what my kids need. But I also use that in my work too of, you know, does this feel good when I'm, you know, asked to speak on a podcast, does this one feel good? And if it doesn't, then I've turned them down. And my husband's like, you just turned down, like that's exposure. And it's like, it didn't feel right. And, you know, and then when you dig in more, it's like, it's not the audience that's right. It's not, there's more to it, but it's, you know, sitting down and feeling what's right. So yeah, I think that intuition does kind of. I'm, I'm so thankful that I intuitively felt right, that this podcast intuitively felt right for you to come on because it's, it's just been so wonderful. I think it's going to be, it's, it's definitely a message that I think is so appropriate for therapists, entrepreneurs for so, so many ways. I mean, we always talk about how we just want to help people and we feel bad getting paid to do it. I mean, we we mentioned that, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's so, it's so important. Um, 
and along that line, like the, you, you like perfectly segued into this question about the fail learn that I ask everyone. So I want to, I want to do our last three little questions here. What do you feel like has been your biggest fail, failure, fail learn in your business? And what, what have you learned from it? And, and how can other people kind of learn from your mistakes so they don't have to make it themselves? <laughs> right. Yes. So my biggest, I, I think, learning lesson, fail, learn was when I first started out as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I had the, I'm not good enough and I don't know enough to be an entrepreneur. And Mm -hmm. so I hired a coach Mm -hmm. and with this coach, she really had a different view of what I needed to be doing. And so Mm. I followed along like a little ducky. And so the population that I love to work with was those moms and, you know, working with the, the kind of professional woman and what she was looking money wise was you're going to make more if you work with women over 40 and have a strong pain point, not the prevention type stuff that I was talking, but the strong pain point of P leaks. And so I'm like, it doesn't really like make me happy. It doesn't like make me want to sing, but okay. It's a much needed area. And so I shifted my business right off in talking about P leaks and really hitting me the 40 plus mom thinking that and her thought process was those are the women that are going to have more money at my cash-based practice. So I need yeah. to shift that way. And the sales techniques that she guided me to do didn't feel good. And so I yeah. got to a point where I'm like, this isn't the business I want. This isn't what I like, but I followed what the expert or the guru had told me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I totally backed up and I went back to my intuition and sat down. I use a lot of Tammy Lynn Kent's work. She talks about a pelvic bowl. And so I, okay. I dropped down into my pelvic bowl and I'm like, okay, so what out of all of this, who are the clients that really bring a spark? Who are the clients I absolutely yeah. love? And I wrote it down. And what do I want to see? And how do I want to talk? And I don't like talking pain points. That's not yeah. how I like to do business. And so once, once I shifted and kind of let go of the, what I should be doing and really tapped into what felt good to do, then my business started bouncing back and it really took that next leap forward. And I'm like, this is awesome. So I think in learning lesson is really follow what, what sparks your interest, what makes, you know, your heart happy and following what you know, what feels good to you. Even if somebody else says you should be doing this and this is going to make you more money. If you're not lighting up, then your clients and whoever you're talking to feels that and they're not as excited about it. When you come in and you're so excited about your topic, they're going to be drawn to that excitement. And so I think really following, you know, what makes you feel happy and good really does make a difference. That, that is such a good story. And I've had similar ones, which for I won't, I won't share here, but, <laughs> but I have had similar experiences where, and it, it goes back to what we've talked about on this whole episode, learning how to trust your own intuition is, yes. is more challenging for others than some, but it's so important because we, we all need business coaching, right? Like we oh. all at times we need to do this in community. We all need to learn from other people who have gone before us and done similar things. But if you're just sort of like you said, like a duck kind of following the mama, you know, or whatever around, you'll lose your way because you, you just can't, you're not going to have a business that you really love. You, ha- you have to be able to take what you learn from a coach and use your own intuition to apply it in your business. And that might mean like 
not doing something that a coach says to do. Absolutely. And I've, I've learned that the hard way too. And it's, it's just part of it's, I think it's part of any coaching relationship that you just kind of learn the, you learn what to keep and what to let go and that yes. that's okay. Like any coaching relationship Absolutely. is going to have that. But um, and I tell a lot of the women that I work with is, you know, if it doesn't resonate with, resonate with you, just let it go. Yes, you know, absolutely. If this doesn't, you know, hit with you, just let it go. Cause I'm going to share ideas that have worked with me. I'm going to share ideas that have worked with other people, but if it doesn't, you know, lit, hit with you, just let right. it go. And I think that's a big learning lesson is we are going to take things from each person that we work with mm-hmm. and we're going to find, Ooh, this person has a great way of doing, it. Oh, I love how that, you know, person does their social media and you're going to pick yeah. them, you know, different pieces from everyone. And that's where you're going to shine because you're going to have all of that foundation and then you're going to take your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Showing up authentically in your business requires that you trust your intuition. Yes, it does. It's, it's like it the main scary. thing. It is yeah. scary. It's totally scary <laughs> for everyone out there. And I think that's yeah. a lot of kind of the belief, especially like some of the really deep seated beliefs come from is, you know, when we're going back to like the tribe, if we're standing out way away from the tribe, is the tribe going to let us go and say, okay, now you're on your own and we need that tribe for protection. Oh, right. Yeah. So have a lot of that fear based of, Ooh, I don't yeah. know if I'm out there so far. Yeah. It's very primal. Like when you're talking about that, like, like it's, it's kind of primal in our, what, what am I, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like in our human ancestry, you know, that, that we don't want to stand out. We're not supposed to stand out. So Mm -hmm. maybe there's some neurological kind of underpinning that tells us you should just be, follow, be the little ducky and follow the duck. (laughs) So we can't, we, nowadays we need to be breaking out of that. And that's exactly. like knowing it and and seeing it, I think is, will help us grow into our own leader duck ducks. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of the things I love to do is why is it safe for me to stay here? Yeah. And so what oh, are the benefits for me to stay here? And it really kind of fine tunes. Oh, well, if I stay right here and I don't grow my practice, I don't have to think about how to shift daycare. I don't have to think about how to do more social media. I don't have to think about how to have to post every single day or make the podcast every single week or whatever it is. It feels safer to stay here. And once we've kind of labeled those, why it's safer, then we can go, well, I'm okay. And then we can pass, but it's really identifying those fears that are coming up. Mm-hmm. I just said on a recent Facebook live about like overcoming fears yes. and, and putting ourselves out there. One of the things I said was what's the worst that can happen? You know, it's right. kind of the same, like it's the same question you just asked. It was like, why is it safe for me to stay here? Mm-hmm. And, and if I do step out and what if I make a Facebook post that no one comments on, well, who cares? You know, right. like most of the decisions we make as business owners are not life or death. I mean, mm-hmm. no one listening to this is a surgeon. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so like, right. So, so thinking about it on a small scale of just like taking those small risks and building that mental resilience to then take the bigger risks. So, right. and, and it's out, you've, you've just shared so many tips for doing that. It's been great. Okay. So what is, what is going so well in your work right now and how can other people maybe experience that a similar success? 
Okay. So well is really stepping into my authentic self and that's mm-hmm. hard, but it's once I really started saying, cause when I started practice, I didn't talk woo cause that wasn't going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So once I started saying, okay, I'm going to talk woo and yeah. I'm going to do this and I'm going to start talking about the mental health aspect. And I'm going to do, once I really started stepping into that, things got a little easier. And one of the really cool things is opportunities started to present themselves and I wasn't seeking things out. It's just like, oh my gosh, here's somebody asking me to do this. And here's somebody asking me to speak here. So it really did flow. One of my favorite tricks for doing that and kind of getting into that flow I learned from my, a mentor of mine, Erin Newman, and she says to really visualize yourself in three years. And mm-hmm. what is that three year future you look like, act like, talk like, and what would oh, I love that. And so it just kind of gives me that extra oomph. So when I'm, you know, doing something that feels scary, I'm like, okay, so what would three year from now Landy do? Oh, well, she'd put on that necklace and wear lipstick and rock those boots and go out and do it. And so I go and do things and I don't typically wear lipstick, but that has been a thing. Three year future Landy is going to be wearing lipstick and rocking little boots and, (laughs) you know, things like that. But You know, what is she going to do? She's going to make this decision. She's going to, you know, throw on that scarf. She's going to, and it can be little things to big things, right? but it really is stepping into that new future you persona and saying, what does she do and how does she react? And then it's like, okay, I've got that confidence and then take that into myself now and step forward. And so I do a lot of decisions. You know, it's funny because I did it yesterday with my husband. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, well, future Landy is, you know, does this to go do this. And he's like, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was like, cause I was all dressed up and he's like, what are you doing? Well, I'm writing sales copy. Why are you dressed up to write sales copy? Because future Landy looks like this when she writes sales copies. So it's awesome. It's just like, but it gave me that feeling, that sense to yeah. really work on that in a different perception. So I'm not like stuck where I am. I'm like, she, this amazing, confident person. Right. Yes. And so I love that tip for, and that's working really well to step into that future you and do what she would do. It, it is. It's so good because even as you said it, my own brain is like, Oh, that would help me. Like, like I'm my practice manager is going to be taking on more of the back end management of the mind your OT business and business coaching stuff cool. next year. Cause she's mostly been helping with my private practice. And one of the things I really struggle with is handing off work to anyone really, but right. she's going to be taking on more of this. And when you said that, I was like, the, the three-year, the three-year future, Laura would just be delegating like crazy, you know, (laughs) it could be, be, I would have no problem asking someone to take on this task or do this for me, please, or whatever. I mean, I think we have to reframe our perspective that delegating is like mean, actually people enjoy doing those tasks that we're delegating to them. If you hire the right person so yes, and are so better at it than I am, let's be real for this situation where she's going to be managing all the back end, which I've been crazy with this year, but anyway, but, but I think it just, when you said that the mental shift that your mind makes, I mean, you can feel it. I'm getting all woo Landy. What's going on here? You've converted me (laughs) now, but like the mental shift that you feel in your body and in your mind, when you think about in three years, 
who am I going to be like? It's like just long enough that you still have a perception of who you might be, but not, you know, it's not so far off that like, you're like, I have no idea 10 years from now. I don't want to know. I'll be like 54. Oh, I guess, you know, (laughs) but like years I can do. Yes. Yes. And absolutely. And I, it shifts, you know, it shifts your, it shifts your perspective into like, Mm -hmm. oh, like I'm going to be like CEO of my business still. And I'm going to be able to delegate things and I'm going to might have a bigger team. And it kind of gives you this like feeling of confidence. It does. It doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's so awesome. So that's my favorite tip for like, as I'm tackling things is, you know, what would she do? And oh yeah, yeah. she'd hire a VA to do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay. And I would have, you know, this set up and I would have this set up and it's like, okay, then I can work towards that. Yeah. And even if it's not possible to hire a VA right now, can you hire a VA for an hour? Can you shift some of this work to, yes. you know, there's ways that you can do it slowly to really get to that three-year you. And, yeah. you know, then you've already kind of been her and it's really easy to step into her life. Yeah. I love it. It's a good tip. I love all these practical tips. They're I very see. woo, but they're practical. They're very like, woo, but- like, I mean, woo is like a funny word because I feel like it's like, it's like, it's a, it's a word that I'm, I don't know if I like that word actually, because I think it's a word that implies that it's, that it's like fake or something. And really like so much of this is actually brain-based ways to like reframe our thinking. So maybe that's why I say I'm not woo. Maybe I actually am woo, but I say I'm not woo because I don't. (laughs) I want to be well, not evidence-based. A like, lot of the, the techniques yeah. I use actually comes from brain-based Yes, that are, you know, you, I can trace back to, okay, so this clinician, you know, did research yeah. on this, on this. So yeah, there was a lot of um, actual basis behind my- Totally. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is. But you have to it. take kind of both. And I think the woo gives some flow and some- flow Yeah, flow. yeah. And, uh, but yeah, there's some- well, unless you be- that lets you be open-minded to, to like other ways of thinking. And I think right. that that's important. I think yes. that's important. I agree. So tell everyone, and I always tell people at the end, like you feel free to promote whatever you want, like tell people where they can connect with you online and like what you're, where, you're, where they can find you. Okay. So you can find me at um, www.bestbirthhealing.com. And I do have a free gift. So it's bestbirthhealing.com forward slash gift. And it is one of my favorite meditations. And it really helps align with the feminine and masculine inside ourselves to find that creative balance. So it's just like a five less than 10 minute meditation, but it's a really nice one to drop into your body and kind of feel what that feminine masculine Mm. and finding that balance. Cause I think that balance of masculine doing and feminine creating Mm. is what we need to really be a good entrepreneur. So it's just a nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is it an audio or is it a written, you read it or is it an audio? Oh, it's a video. Okay, cool. Cool. You can turn off the video if you want and just listen to the audio, but it's, yeah. That's that's awesome. So it's like a guided meditation. It's a guided meditation. Yeah. Cool. And you're, and you're, you don't necessarily, I just want to clarify for people. If you, if you are an OT who works with mothers, Mm -hmm. you, they might be one of your potential clients, right? Like you don't necessarily work with all OTs. It's like, you're focused on people supporting mothers and mother's health, right? Focusing on supporting women around motherhood. I do have some others um, that are drawn to that, but yeah, that's my real love and the kind of people that are being drawn and coming into my really, my realm are those um, those women supporting moms. That's awesome. Well, thank you. 
This was Thank such you. a fun interview. I loved it. I learned so much and I, I still have to exercise today. So now I'm going to be like on a run, like thinking about all of this. I love it. So Good for you, thanks for making time. I'm so glad you could come. Thank you so much for having me. I've so, so enjoyed this. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So do you feel as encouraged as I do that we don't have to stay stuck in our limiting beliefs about ourselves? I feel like I am going to need to revisit this episode multiple times over and over. And I want to encourage you all that mindset is a lifelong endeavor. You never arrive with the perfect mindset. Resetting your mindset is a constant practice that we can come back to time and time again. So take a small step moving out of your limiting beliefs, letting them go and following your intuition. Small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.